0: Hello again, everybody, and once again, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live here, brought to you by Coors Light, as always seen on Giants.com, at the controls for us today, Brian Conforth with me, seated to my left, my buddy, my good buddy, Paul Dettino. I'm Ross Salzberg, and you, the fans are out there, the number, as always, the call is 201 201- here I go again. I almost did it, but I didn't, Paulie. I was ready to give my phone number again. <laughs> to, to, why don't I just look down? Two zero one. Just read it. 939 Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. That is two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Is uh, the number. Just before we do anything, let me remind everybody that if you subscribe to the Giants Audio Podcast, please note that Big Blue Kickoff Live now has its own dedicated podcast you can subscribe on apple podcast spotify google play or your favorite Mm -hmm. podcast platform again big blue kickoff live is no longer available uh in the giants audio podcast so please subscribe to the big blue kickoff live podcast and you can still watch or listen to the show on giants.com and the giants app and uh well we got an extra day this week they play the eagles on monday night which, uh, well, it's never a walk in the park, but uh, oh, that certainly going down to Philly is never a walk in the park. Monday night national TV against uh, an Eagle team that you know is struggling to stay in the hunt. So uh, there you go. Not yeah, to, it's never easy,
1: but that
0: one ain't going to be easy.
1: No, no. As a matter of fact, uh, think about this: the Giants have lost five in a row to Philadelphia and nine of the last ten times these two teams have played. And I don't think that uh, I need to remind you, Russ, this has been a very cyclical series. It seems as though, you know, there's an ebb and flow to it. One team owns the other team for a short period of time. Then it switches, and then for several years, the other team owns the series, and then it switches again. I mean, if you remember... It always seems to be like that in the NFC East, doesn't it? Kind of, yeah, because a lot of times... These teams go on five out of six, seven out of eight runs. It just seems as though you know, for two or three or four, in this particular case now, it's been five years that the Eagles have owned the series. At some point, it's going to turn around. It just always does. Um, But in any event, certainly it has been a house of horrors uh, over the last five years for the Giants, whether or not it's been in Philly or here. They have had a tremendous amount of difficulty with this Eagles team.
0: Yeah, Uh, and uh, uh, the ankle that seemed to bother him a bit during the game, Daniel Jones. I mean, Mm -hmm. listening to the coach yesterday, everybody was already asking questions. Well, you you think he's going to be ready to go? And and he's going to be playing. And then when you heard Daniel talk on the conference call, Daniel. uh, He's a go. Yeah, he's a go. He's a go. It's just one of those things, and uh, 2 and 10 is what it is, uh, battered and bruised, haunted by injuries, but injuries are no excuse. It is what it is, and you move forward to see what you can uh, come up with the remainder of the uh, schedule. Uh, 201. Nine three nine four five one three is the number. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Start things off today with our friend Joe. Hello, Joe. You're on with Russ and Paul. How are you doing today?
2: Uh, wonderful, guys. Hi. Um, cl- glad to be able to speak to you, two wise owls as usual. Uh, <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know if wise owls, but we'll you know, just some well, like say old you're, crows you're, or whatever. Your
2: history and that. Uh, I says uh, uh, I. This would be big if you know me in Pennsylvania and Eagle territory. If we could beat them, you know, I, I just want to at least play a respectable right. game on Monday night. Fair you know, enough. Uh, Fair enough. Start getting our act together. You hear so such uh, uh, you know talk here. The coaches going and again and you know you, it, it, you just, the only thing I want them is to get their act together, their assignments and stuff. I just it just gets you and you know offense and defense, you know. The first drive, both of them, you know, offense and defense, I forget what it was, but they both messed up big time, you know. It was assignments, you know. But uh, on the plus side, before I get out of here, because I only have a short time, I was just watching. Uh, it, it popped up on uh, on my screen on Facebook there. Uh, Emlyn Tunnell, you know, they're, I guess the NFL is doing the top 100 players. Right. And he popped up, I guess. He's uh uh, voted there, I guess, for maybe making the starting team. And uh, I just want to say, boy, go to Giants Chronicle and, and watch that on him, on M1 It's a, It's really a great story, and he was a great player. You know, I remember hearing of him a little bit, but, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, and I was just thinking, boy, you and Paul, Russ, could really. Um, Put your all-Giants all team together sometime when it would slow, and maybe the fans voted on them. you know? Well, that would be I, I, a great I, thing, you know? Yeah, that, that,
0: that'd be kind of fun. I, the thing is, and I'll say this, Paul is more of a giant historian going back back in the day than I uh, am. But I would say this, uh, Emlyn Tunnell...
2: Yeah, watch special, that on the Chronicles, man. He he really was something there. You know, all not just a a, a a a great defensive back, but he was in the service. They said the Coast Guard named the ship after him. Mm-hmm. He saved somebody on a on a boat and got the Medal of honors and stuff like that. And then being a coach and that, he was a great uh, all-around man, really and truly. still uh
1: Well, and understand not only did the social significance of him being the first African-American player in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which in itself is a very big deal, understand that Tonnell was his era's version of Deion Sanders. And when I say that, I'm talking about a guy who was an incredible athlete at the cornerback position. Who obviously, you know, still ranks among the all-time interceptors in NFL history, but also was one of the most dangerous kick returners that the NFL has ever seen. So, you know, when I think of Deion Sanders, I think of him being the modern day Emlyn Tonnell. And for those folks who won't go back far enough and don't read the history books and don't understand, you know, when they hear that name, what this guy was all about. If you know what Deion Sanders brought to the field, think of that kind of player. And, and, yeah. and back in the fifties, that's, that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, They said he was like, uh, like, well, I guess he was, was he, it, I I don't know if he was in pro football, but he was definitely the first giant Negro, uh, uh, a, a player and he came on as a walk and walk on. So I'm just saying to go every, all you giant fans and watch it on Giants uh, Giants Chronicles there. They have it. It's a great, it's a great story of him. And, uh, you know he was uh really uh uh an athlete like you were saying paul he was like barry sanders they said barry sanders and ed reed he no, was really deon uh, sanders deon sanders
0: <laughs> deon barry, barry sanders different position running uh, back. yeah yeah legend I mean, nonetheless sanders, I,
2: I i i mean uh uh yeah
0: either way then, they'll be on the same on that top 100 oh yeah that,
2: that's for yeah, sure i you on that, the NFL or so is that who it is the league put
1: together a committee of a panel. legendary coaches as well as uh, other Hall of Fame players and uh, and respected journalists. and I, I don't know how many there. Were. It was a group of about a dozen people, I think Russ, I believe so who got together and they they voted on what yeah. they considered to be the all-time. 100 best players in NFL history, but they broke it down uh, with uh, a certain number of players at each position. So it wasn't just the general 100 best guys. You had to make each position. I think they took like seven linebackers or X number of defensive ends, X number of quarterbacks, they broke it down so like you couldn't just get into the hundred. You had to qualify in your position group. Have all have all the positions been picked? Already? I don't think. Well, they've all been picked, but they haven't all been revealed. Okay.
0: Yeah. Even
2: uh, well, I'm just trying to think here, here too now. I I just remember a little bit or hearing of them too. Uh, uh, Sam Huff. He has to be one of the you know up there as one of the best what linebackers I, I, of all time. He was a
0: finalist. Yeah, he was a finalist. I'm not sure, but I have to tell you this, Joe. And, buddy, thank you very much for the call. We Some of us were, were chewing the fat over it last week just talking about it. Sam Huff was absolutely spectacular. I mean, he was not, I, I think you'll agree, uh, he, he was, well, for those of you who are younger. and may not be familiar, there was a great show, was a news show that used to be on Sunday evenings called 20th Century, and it was hosted by, you know, Walter Cronkite. The famous nu- newsman, arguably the most famous newsman in my generation, Walter, C- mm-hmm. C- Walter C- Cronkite. And um, on the show, it was featured, it was the first time a player was, I believe the first time a player was Mike. The Violent That's World right. of Sam Huff, uh, And I remember seeing it. It was spectacular. Not good. I mean, Sam Huff was absolutely legendary. So... Um, Joe, you're very right in bringing him up. He was a special, special kind of uh, talent, Uh, you know, before, of course, the greatest linebacker of them all came along uh, in a big blue uniform that is, of course, Mr. Taylor. I think Mr. Taylor
1: Lawrence is on that list. Lawrence Taylor did make the linebackers (laughs) uh, uh, somehow, Do you have the list? Uh, I've been looking for the full list, and I can't find the full list. Apparently, uh, they're still doing the defensive backs this weekend. Uh, They haven't named the defensive backs or the special teams guys. I'm looking if they have. Let's see here. Yeah, they just announced the defensive linemen and the linebackers this past week. All right. But, um, no, I'm still looking for... All right, let's get to... Other positions, anyway.
0: We'll we'll get to the phones. 201-939-4513 is the number. Some lines are open, but right now, uh, is it also in Pennsylvania? We're going to check in with Bob. Hello, Bob. How are we doing today? You're on with Russ and Paul.
3: Hello, guys. Uh, Hi. I I ask up front that you don't hang up on me today, Russ. You hung up on me last week, so I... Um, well I'm yeah, a let's lifelong, put giant fan right. so season tickets in seventy three. It takes me four and a half hours where I'm located now to get to the game. Mm-hmm. wait, wait, you, wait, a minute, wait,
1: Seventy three. So you you went to the Yellow Bowl? That's when I
3: started. That's when I got my foot in the door. Oh my when goodness. I, I was
1: eighteen years old.
3: And that's when I was able to secure Giants tickets because they were playing in the Yale Bowl. Oh,
1: wow. And that would have been a longer drive for you than even coming to the Meadowlands.
3: No, that wasn't longer because I used to live in North Jersey back then. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: All right, well, I, I, you know, I'm really kind of hurting right now because I'm, I'm worried about that. That I'm worried about there's not going to be changes. And it, football is the most important sport as far as coaching goes. Mm-hmm. I don't think the talent on the Giants is that bad that we should look this bad. And the last time, I, I, what you hung up on me about was when I said it would be better for them to lose, get the get the a uh, chase for chase, get that. Guy who could actually maybe make a difference. I'm not saying he's going to be LT, but um, it hurts me to say that. But I just, I'm looking ahead that I don't want this coaching staff.
0: Well, and so the last so, time I. So, Bob, so, I Bob, you. Way, Bob, Bob, Bob. Hanley, Bob! You know all about that because you all lost right a question. Are you going to finish? Okay. And you he, started a big skirmish with
3: Mr. Ray Hanley. I started a
0: skirmish with Ray Hanley. Bob, right. you need to so get, the Bob, the other all
3: right, I wanted, Bob. I wanted to make sure that there was a coaching change. All right,
0: so all right I'm glad you wanted I mean, to, to make sure I've that there was a coaching dance, change. Yada, yada, college. yada, bit of beep and a bop mean, a boop. I'm, ah, I'm yes, going going sir. Hello. Hello. This year, but yes, sir. Okay. All right, all right. No, no, keep talking. So yada, 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 yada. Thank you very
1: much. I want to mention one thing, Bob, and I hope you're still listening to the program because you just mentioned the fellow from Ohio State, Young, the the Chase. Chase Young. Chase Young. Now, listen, I understand that he is a terrific pass rusher at the NCAA level. I would only say one thing, and I've only watched one Ohio State game in its entirety this this year, and that was the game against Michigan last week. Do you know he was shut out, Mm Ross? He had nothing. I'm not not just talking about he didn't have any sacks in the game. He didn't even have a tackle, not an assisted tackle. He had zero, zero. And you know about Ohio State, the Michigan game – is like a bowl game to them. It is the game on the schedule. He got shut out. Zero. Nada. Did nothing. So what are you saying? Well, what I'm saying is that raised the yellow flag for me. Okay? Now, I've only watched one game from Ohio State in its entirety this year. I've seen a lot of highlights of the guy, and the highlights look great. But when I watched this game, I said, okay, this is one of those games where the best players need to show up. I didn't see him show up. That well, bothered me. So well, what I'm saying is this. I'm going to watch him now the rest of the way as Ohio State finishes out their schedule and their bowl game, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to watch him very carefully. And I better see him come back with a vengeance after getting shut out by Michigan. I better see that. Well, because, I, you know, for a guy to be picked that high, I want to see him respond. Listen, um...
0: I don't know. I haven't watched a ton of him. I, I do know what you know, what we read in here. Everybody says consensus. He's a can't-miss stud. But uh, we haven't heard, we, we've heard in the past about can't-misses, and they have been misses for a variety of, of teams. But I want to correct, see, see, two things. I don't like a team losing on purpose and and Bob saying he wants them to lose because he wants a coaching change. Well, I I don't ever want my teams losing on purpose.
1: That's a terrible way to feel. Yeah. Horrible. It's wrong. Don't, wrong.
0: It's so, wrong. So it you should never do. Don't that. tell me how wonderful a fan you are. I don't care if you have had tickets since uh, Columbus discovered America. That's number one. But number two, Bob's pointed out that I created something and started something. And if I'm not, if I'm, if I recollect, you happened to be there I as sure well was. at the time. He he says I started something with Ray Hanley. I was right next to Ray at the time. Okay. okay. So let me point out for the for those people who aren't familiar with the Ray Hanley situation, Ray Hanley followed uh, Bill Parcells. Okay. And uh was this was it was his second season. And Phil Sims, uh was it the second season or his first season? I'm trying to. I remember. can't remember what okay. year this was. But but anyway, happened. um Phil Simms, he made Jeff Hostetler the starting quarterback. So a game in Tampa. Probably his first year, but anyway. yeah, A a game in Tampa, if Mm -hmm. you recall, Haas, uh, as we called him, got hurt. Phil came in, brought the Giants back to victory. And, And Haas, it was a back injury. Mm-hmm. So so the next Monday, it was either the Monday or the Tuesday.
1: Same injury Bethay has, but not they Pe- peppers. Uh, pepper's, transverse back injury. Yeah. Uh, yep.
0: So the next Monday, I believe it was Monday. Yeah, it definitely mm-hmm. was Monday. It was. Uh, I'll tell you the ex- exact story. Um, I remember calling Phil Sims at his house and speaking to his wife, Diana, that night, saying, listen, I got to get a hold of Phil. We got to talk to him about the comeback, blah, blah, blah. So we get a hold of Phil, Phil meets me in the parking lot, we have the meeting, Uh, you know, I interview Phil. And then we're getting in the car, me and my cameraman, and we're driving to Shea Stadium because they were going to introduce a new video, uh, uh, VHS, a a video of Doc Gooden. But then we look at the time and says, you know what, we got time to kill, let's go hear what Ray Hanley has to say. And very innocently, I asked Ray Hanley, I raised my hand and say, "Uh, coach, if Haas heals, I wanted to say if Haas heals, who's gonna be the starting quarterback? And it was, don't ask me that question. I said, what do you mean, don't ask me that question? It's a simple, don't ask me that question. So I tried to ask him again and he said, if you guys don't get him to shut up, I'm walking out of here. At which point, now you're trying to be a bully. So I asked the question and he got up and left. And it was, you know, a big brouhaha, and, and everybody was talking and writing about it. So do me a favor, Bob from Pennsylvania, don't tell me I started anything with Ray Hanley. He started it, and quite frankly, he finished it. End of story. Let's just, let's not portray fake news. That's all I'm saying. That said, two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. Let's go to our friend in Delaware, Coach Marvin. Hello, Coach. You're on with Russ and Paul again.
2: How you
4: doing, Ross and Paul? Good.
1: What's going on? How you
4: doing? Uh, hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. We're trying. I hope you did. Yeah, it was pretty good. I was up there, um, but I didn't uh, see the game up there. I ended up coming back to Delaware before the snow came down. Um, but uh, I was listening, hearing y'all were talking. I didn't hear the whole conversation. something about Chase Young, uh, hoping he's legit. I didn't hear the whole
0: conversation. No, no, Paul. Paul had just mentioned uh, Coach Marv that um, he, um, what'd you say, Paul? He was, he was shut out was against sh-
1: Michigan this past weekend, and you know that kind of bothered me a little bit. So I'm very much looking forward to see how he responds to being blanked in what is the most important game of the Ohio State schedule.
4: Right. Yeah. He. he, he uh, they- um michigan did a good job of blocking him but he he did. he did put pressure on them uh a few times i saw he he was he was there but he didn't get there um he didn't he didn't make the sack but he did put some pressure Um uh, but michigan did a good job with him uh but i i think he is a legitimate um player i um
1: i'm sure you know, he is too coach marvin let me just say one other thing here as an asterisk I'm simply saying that that bothered me. I'm not saying he's any less of a player, and I'm not saying that I've watched full games of any other game he played this year. I need to do that. I will do extensive tape work on him. Trust me, as we go to the combine and we get to the draft. But it did it did kind of you know make me wince a little bit when he got shut out. Albeit Michigan devoted a lot of attention to him. Don't get me wrong. Well, tri- but, triple teams tend to shut. Yeah, you out. but 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 you know what? In important games. Uh, Lawrence Taylor usually showed up.
0: <laughs> well, that yeah. now
1: you make a mistake, number one. <laughs> I'm you, comparing him to, to Lawrence Taylor. I shouldn't Taylor. do that, especially somebody still in school. I know, okay. I know, but the, you, you get you get what I'm saying, yeah. though. This guy's getting a lot yeah. of hype, and when you are getting yeah. a lot of hype like that, you got to live up to it. Go ahead, coach. Yeah.
0: I, I,
4: I, I definitely understand what you're saying, and uh, I, I think he will show up this weekend um, when they play. He, he's an outstanding player, and. I, I believe he does deserve the clear uh, of the, the Heisman, really. Uh, Burroughs played outstanding himself. Maybe he won't get it because he, I think he missed two games this year. I think he was suspended or something for two games. and um, So he may not get the Heisman, but uh, he's definitely a candidate. He's he was
1: credited with two quarterback hurries in the game, by the way, which doesn't count on the official stat sheet. But that's what he had, Coach Marvin. And I think you would agree with me that you'd like to see your superstar player have a little bit more than that in the biggest game of the season.
4: Yeah, I, I do. and I expected that of him to have a big game last weekend, and, and he didn't. Um, but, uh, you know, I hear you guys were talking about, someone was talking about hoping that the team lose. Uh, yeah,
1: um, yeah, that's I not acceptable.
4: Somebody get fired, uh, that's 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 kind of brutal. And, you know, fans can be brutal in this in that business. And uh these guys have families and I, I don't think Sherman goes into it with a game plan of looking to fail. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh it's, you don't want to get to the point where you're rooting for the team to lose. Um, I never would root for them to lose. Uh I don't take it as harsh when they lose, but I, I do I do I am upset when they are when they do lose in the moment and then I say, Well, it is what it is. And then I just move on, but I'm not right. rooting for to lose. I'm not going to sit and watch a game and say, "I hope they don't make this first down. I hope they uh, can't score." And that, that's a that's a little harsh. I know that people are upset, but it shouldn't be to this extent. To it's not being work.
1: a fan if you root for your team to lose. Coach I, 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 that's it's just not. You know.
0: You know what, Coach? I've never understood that, and I've said this to Paul several times. It, it I, could be any any of my teams i've never booed i as a kid till, till now i never booed any of my teams except if somebody is being a dog and not trying
1: you, you right. know because if
0: you're not trying that's something else if a guy's going out there you, you know doing his best listen in the world of professional sports, sometimes doing your best just ain't good enough because it's it's a it's in a win loss business. But having said that, they're trying. I'm not booing somebody if they're trying. If they're right. not trying, it's a different story.
4: Right. I think it's the social media of today, and people want instant change right away. Today, um, you got it in all sports. It's not just in this. Oh, one. for sure. <laughs> You you got the kid that in Alabama this weekend he put on social media, media where he's apologizing to the fans and everybody and I'm like why you need to do that you, you really deep down Paul and Russ it's a game it's not life and death it's a game but people take it to the extent to where they make these games life and death and they have and, and I used to have to say that to certain parents. When we were, if we did lose a game, yet understand we're playing a game. It's a competitive game. You want both teams to want to win, but both teams are not going to win. It's not going to. That's just not the way it's built. Made uh, the game is played. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. You have to be able to handle it. I'm not saying that you sit and you laugh about that you lost and you giggling and stuff. But don't take it to the extent to where it becomes violent or disrespectful. Because in a way, when you're talking disrespectful to people, you're being disrespectful to the game. If you're rooting for a team to lose, you're being disrespectful to the team and the game itself. So I, I think people are, are I mean, it's because of how fast people want things to turn around today and social media, it, I think that's where we're, we're at in sports today. Right. That's the dangerous part, especially when this here rolls over, not just into the NFL, but it rolls over into our youth leagues of how parents treat kids when they're playing these sports. They make it life and death. Well, you you,
0: you know what, Coach Marv? That's why you're one of our favorite callers. But, listen, you can speak to this better than most people because you coach kids. You've dealt with the parents. And, you know, I've always said this. Sports... Is, is probably, and I'll go back to Little League and stuff like that, that's the first time a lot of these kids learn about disappointment. You know, it's heartbreaking yeah. to lose. They cry at the end of a game. But sometimes, sometimes, you know, the great Roy Campanella, uh, the Hall of Fame catcher with the Do- Brooklyn Dodgers, once said, you know, baseball's a great game. Uh, he said two things. Baseball's a great game, uh, but... It's a great game until the parents screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, even though the game is, then, as far as pros go, he said, even though, Paul, the game is, it's a business, you still got to have a lot of little boy in you to play the, you know, in that business.
1: I, I'm going to disagree with you guys just a little bit. All right. I'm going to say this. I do believe that when George Allen said, you know, every time you lose, a little PC has got to die inside. I do believe that losing has to hurt. I do believe when you get to the professional level, especially not so much the lower levels. But when you get to the professional level and you lose, you better hurt and you better be angry about it. Because as Bill Parcells used to say, winning breeds winning and losing breeds. Uh, he's C- Coach Marvin's not talking about you know? the players. Coach Marvin's talking about the fans. I'm talking the
0: fans. He's talking about oh, the I, fans. I, 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 I misunderstood. Oh, yeah. I thought I
1: thought you were talking no. about players because you were saying no. about the the Alabama player who apologized. And and if he uh, felt so bad about losing that he felt compelled on his own behalf to apologize, I don't think that's a problem for me. Yeah. I don't think any one player should apologize on behalf of a team because now you're speaking for other teammates. But if he thought his performance cost them the game, then he has every right to apologize if he wants to. Well, I, yeah, uh, I, I get I what Coach – uh, go ahead, Coach.
4: I, I, uh, I agree with that, Paul. I, I can agree with that. But I, I just – for me, I, I didn't feel that's why he was apologizing. Okay. I think he was getting ahead of the curve because of what was going to happen to him. Because as soon as he missed it, that was my first thought. And how are people going to treat them after this game? A-
0: exactly. I, okay. uh,
4: I, and the way you said it, Paul, I agree. I, I, you know, you, it, it should hurt when you lose games, when you're the players. And and they do hurt. And I always say, winning doesn't last that long. Because once we win a game, that's it. Mm-hmm. We're on to next week. We're ready to play next week. But when you're losing, that lasts two all the practices that last until you get back on the field again and try to correct that law. And, and,
0: and that's the difference between winning and losing. And that's it's the, the difference. Mar, Coach Marv, thank you, buddy, as always, for the call, my friend. That is also the difference in, with football as opposed to all the other sports. You know, if you're playing baseball or you're playing basketball or hockey, you get a chance to cl- clean it out
1: quickly the next night.
0: It doesn't Quickly. happen in, in football. Well,
1: unless you're a closer in baseball. Then there's a possibility <laughs> you may not pitch for a couple of days. Or even the starter knows Possibly. he's not going to pitch every
0: five days. Possibly. But you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I, the, get, the it. Team I itself, get it. I know, get it. Uh, so even the fans get a chance to erase last night's loss tonight. That do, kind of do thing. Do
1: you know one time, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, folks. It's one of the, the great scenes that I vivid etched in my mind forever. Uh, Lawrence Taylor... After the playoff loss, when Flipper Anderson ran into the tunnel in overtime, yeah, oh yeah, I remember it. Lawrence Taylor sat at his locker for fifteen minutes. I remember that. Did not move a muscle. He sat there with his with his with his elbows on his on his knees, and he just sat there, and he did not flinch for fifteen yes. minutes. I, he was so angry. He was so overcome with emotion. He was so stunned. He was so furious. And not a soul came within yards of him. Yep, I remember that like it was yesterday. It's etched in my mind. I I can see it. That, that, that. Is how a player should react after losing a playoff game.
0: Well, yeah, but but I, I know, it should hurt. No, it should
1: bother you. But no one's disputing that. Anyway, that, that's that's what I just I just offer that up, yeah. Coach Marvin. You would you would it wasn't a scene that I enjoyed seeing, but it was one that impacted me a lot no, because I, you didn't want to go anywhere near him, man. You the, knew what he was thinking. You know, the, 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 there's a, a zillion and one scenes like that. You know, uh,
0: Ralph Brank is serving up the home run ball to Bobby Thompson and the shot heard around the world crying. You know, why me? Why me? That's part of game. Well, That's part but, of the definition of competition. Yeah. Let's go to our friend in uh, Columbia, Maryland. Len, how are we doing today, my friend? You're on, as always, with Russ and Pauly.
5: Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi. How
0: you doing? I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving, Lenny.
5: Happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope everything went well, and I, I, had, a good, I had a good one, too. Good. good. Let, me, let me just say this. Um, I, I saw my first game in 1952, guys. My father took me to see the Giants and the Eagles at the Polo Grounds.
0: 52? I, God bless, I, Lenny.
5: I hate the Eagles. <laughs> I just want to tell you straight out, there's no team I hate anymore
1: uh, uh, than the
5: Philadelphia Eagles.
1: <laughs> but okay. let,
5: me, let me comment on a couple of things, and maybe I can help some folks with my uh, veteran approach to this thing. Em, Emlyn Tennell was simply spectacular. I saw Tennell. When Tennell was ready to field a punt, people stood up. When he was ready to field a kickoff, people stood up. Something was going to happen, interceptions, shocking things, unbelievable returns, both interceptions. And the guy was just great. And that's why if you go into the main gate at MetLife Stadium right there in the lobby and you look up, there's a big picture of Lawrence Taylor, a big picture of Emlyn Tunnell, and a big picture of a guy named Mel Hine who will make the offensive line all-time Oh, Plus, sure. Tha- I, I always say percent, that yeah. I did not see Hein. Hein was, <laughs> hein was before me, but my father always told <laughs> me. Me neither, Russ, Len. <laughs> my father always told me that the best player, three best players that he ever saw, were Taylor, Tennell, and a guy named Mel Hine, and my father was never wrong, Russ. So I'm going with Mel Hine. I'm okay. going with Mel Hine. He'll be with that offensive line. <laughs> hey,
0: Len, Len, before you go on, if you don't, don't mind me asking, God bless you. Your first game was 1952. Dad took you. May I ask yep. how old you are?
5: I was in 1952. No. I was nine years old. Wow.
0: Okay. We used, to go
5: visit, we used to go visit my grandmother in the Bronx. We went one Sunday and my father said, you stay in the car. I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to a football game. I said to him, "What's that?" He said, "You'll see." <laughs> I was I was hooked. Russ. That's so
1: cool. Yep. Hooked. So hooked. cool.
5: You, you it might... got into it. Got into my blood. You know I something? Was hooked with it. 1952. I, I had
0: an aunt who lived on the Grand Concourse. Listen to this, Paul. I had an aunt Len who lived on the Grand Concourse. I never I remember the address across the street from the park near the courthouse, seven fifty Grand Concourse. And on Sundays we'd go visit her and you uh-huh. could, you know, it was right near the stadium, yeah. you could hear the cheers during the game. And I remember saying to my father, because you used to watch people going wearing the, the fur coats and the rack. Yeah, no, that's what it was. They looked like Ralph Cramden going in the nose. it <laughs> yes. was great. No. Those were great. Yeah. You, you know those games, right, Lenny? <laughs> those
5: were great days. Yes, they those were. Those great days. Hey, listen, you know, very surprised that Strahan didn't make that final list of defensive linemen, you know, best... Best uh, pass rusher, combination pass rusher, uh, run run block, you know, run player. Uh, I I ever saw two way player, best defensive two way player, defensive end ever, ever. Uh, but he didn't make it, you know. They went with Doug Atkins, Chicago Bears, ferocious defensive end, mm-hmm. yes, six foot eight. Paulie will remember him. Yep. And and a guy named Bill Ewart back in the '30s. I I didn't see Ewart obviously again. But sure. uh, he was a two-way, a two-way player, and I think they went with you at Over Strahan simply because he was an unbelievable pass catcher and a, 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 just a terrific defensive end as well. But
1: uh, Len, I'm going hey, to take exception to one guy. You know, Len, before you go, you know, Len, Len, but hold on, needed. hold on, Len, before you go any further, just so the rest of our audience knows the defensive ends they took, yeah. because I will take exception to one of the guys on the list. I can't argue like you said about Hewitt because, obviously, way before my time. And the game yeah. was different. So it's unfair to argue him. How did Hewitt spell his name? Is it H-U-A-R-T-E? H-E-W-I-T-T. Hewitt. Oh, oh Hewitt. Yeah, Hewitt. Yeah, yeah. okay. Hewitt. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but Gino Marchetti, I can't argue that. I know enough about him, even though I didn't see him play. I do know yeah. enough about him. I cannot argue with him. But the modern guys who I saw play, Deacon Jones, certainly yeah. has to be there. Okay? Bruce Smith. I've got no complaint about Bruce Smith. Reggie yeah. White, no complaint about Reggie White. But there's right. one other defensive end that they took, Leroy Selman of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, oh, yeah, and yeah. I object. Yeah. Michael Strahan over yeah. Leroy Selman, oh, hands yeah. down. I, I, I would, object. I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. Hey, hey, very quickly very quickly on Huff, You know, um, you know, in 1956 when he started, one of the guys they went with was a guy named Joe Schmidt. You've got to check this out. A middle linebacker from mm-hmm. the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. And I think Schmidt got the spot because he was, the, I think, the very first one to really play middle linebacker in the NFL. Remember, if you read your history books, they used to play a five-man front. They had a guy called a middle guard. Right. Yes, but then they went to a traditional four-three, and it was about fifty-four, fifty-five. Schmidt with the Lions, a terrific football player. I'm not taking anything away from Joe Schmidt, but I think he made it because he was he was the first one. He was he was the first one that 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 played that middle linebacker position. But Russ, I remember that program uh, with her. <laughs> that was really good. You remember that? that? Yeah. Really, oh the, my goodness, yes. The, I, I think the, it was. Jeez, I think it was like fifty-nine, something like fifty-eight, fifty-nine.
0: The vile No, 1960. It was 1960. 1960.
5: Okay, 1960. You know, the only two times in my life I was angry with the Giants. Paul has heard me say this before. The first time was when they traded Sam Huff in 1964. Mm
3: -hmm. I said to
5: myself, I'm never going to watch another game. And then secondly, and since the fella talked about the Yale Bowl, they made me, (laughs) they made us go back to the Yale Bowl a second year, Paul. You know, the first year was about three quarters of a season I remember nineteen seventy four.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeet. Yeah
5: about three quarters. But when they when they said we're going back for that second year I know, and they they never got back for the third year because I think everybody said we're just not going
1: back. How no, they went to Shea Stadium in '75 and, and that didn't turn Stadium out so for that, good either for that one year. But but, but Len, before yeah. you go now, because I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna have to send you away. We have other callers yeah, yeah, on the line. Okay, okay. But the okay, middle okay, linebackers, hey, I couldn't. You know, I, I'm just I've really gotten into this hundred hundred okay. years, this hundred right. year thing. All right, now no, Len, just, Len, I'm stay, the hell out of it. Stay, stay there. Stay there. Don't guys, go. No, don't go, Len. Don't go. Hold on. Oh, okay, okay, okay. yeah. <laughs> the middle linebackers, again, for the rest of the audience, who they they picked on the 100 yeah. team, they took Dick Butkus, I cannot argue. Yes. Jack Lambert, cannot yes. argue. Willie Lanier, I cannot argue. I right. saw all of these guys, and I agree with all of them. They took yeah. Ray Lewis, I understand that one. The, yeah. Joe Schmidt was the old-timer that you talked about, and I've yeah. heard so many things about him, it's hard to argue. But here's what bothered me. They took Junior Seau. Now, here's my problem, okay? The game became much more of a passing game, and Seau was more of a pass-coverage linebacker. But I will say this. I personally, myself, I would have taken Harry Carson not only over Seau, but over Sam Huff as well. Harry Carson made the the Pro Bowl and was an all-NFL Pro Bowl player As not only a middle linebacker in the 4 3, but then also did it as an inside linebacker in the 3 4. And remember, he was a converted defensive tackle when he came out of college. Yeah. Do not underestimate the value and the incredible uh, uh, acumen and talent that it took for Harry to be able to make those conversions. Yes. That to me gives him bonus points. I would yes. have taken Harry Carson. I just, Also,
5: do. also, you know, if you had to pick an inside linebacker in the three-four, you know, and I think you know they say how got there because they had to pick some outside guys, Paul.
1: Well, you no, no, they they're listing him specifically as a middle guy. The outside guys they took Lawrence Taylor, Ted Hendricks, yeah, no, yeah. Jack Ham, Derek yeah. Brooks, Bobby Bell, and Chuck Bednarik. I can't yeah. argue with any of those guys.
0: No, I, yeah.
1: I, I, the the only thing I would say to
0: you about um Harry listen we love Harry here obviously but but Huff was to me was spectacular oh, I, God, I, yeah. I mean he yeah. he, he was yeah. he he was like you want to know what he from my recollection
1: he was the first defensive player that I remembered like wow I don't dispute any of that, but Huff played on championship-caliber teams his entire career with the Giants. Harry Carson played on some real drag teams. I hope you
5: remember that. uh... Okay. Harry uh, played know, on some really bad that teams. Season and those games against Jim Brown. Sure. And that 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 playoff I, I get game it. where they held down to nine, yor- nine yards. I get it. I get was it. All Sam Huff doing yeah, it. I get it. But I, he also had I,
0: guys like if Greer if and Robostelli and Kentavine. Okay, so you know, punish him for that. He was a great player. <laughs> no, but, that but playoff
1: game. Harry did what he did on some really bad teams. I'm I'm going with Harry. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you, Len. Appreciate it. Hey,
5: thanks. Go Giants.
0: Beat the Uh, Eagles, please. uh, All right, Lenny. Thank you very much. 201-939-4513 is the number. A little day to talk about history. Kind of fun. Let's go to uh, New Mexico and check in with Scott. Hello, Scott. You're on with Russ and Paul.
6: Hi, guys. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? (laughs) Um, since we're going down memory lane, my first game, I was actually watching the championship game in Chicago. I got invited. I was 12 years old, and I saw Delshoffner drop
1: a short oh, touchdown past me. Enzo. I know. Would, would
6: have given the Giants the victory. Oh. Oh. What well, was that,
1: 63? I'm sorry? Was 60, that 63, Scott? 63, yeah. 63, 63. 63. At, at Wrigley Field. Yes,
6: at Wrigley. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah. It was an amazing game, and... Uh, the Giants had every opportunity to win that game, and for some reason or another, they just couldn't pull it off. But uh, as well, I said, Del Schaffner was my idol at the time.
1: You, you remember the, that team was basically a pass oriented team, and Tittle had trouble throwing in the wind. The right. guy said, as you said, Schaffner drops a touchdown pass. Icy, windy conditions. Tittle gets whacked in the knee in that game and is limping on one leg. He wasn't mobile anyway, and now he's only on one leg, and the Bears teed off on him.
0: It was You're terrible. Right. Yeah. Also, God bless Y.A. Y.A. looked 85 years old when he was 35 years old. <laughs>
6: he, he did. Uh, but it was a, an exciting game to watch. Uh, so that was my first experience as a giant. Fan. Where
1: where'd you, Where were you I sitting?
6: for two days after that. So.
1: Where were you sitting? Behind the end zone where Tiafna dropped the pass?
6: Or where were you? Yeah, I was right there. I was actually right where he had made a cut. And he ran into, you know, he was about three yards behind wow. the defender and had just an open and dropped it. And that
1: was that. Wow. Amazing stuff.
6: <laughs> yeah, uh, I just curious, you piqued my interest. Was uh, Ray Nitschke on that list for the 100? Nitschke did players?
1: not make the list.
6: That's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, you know
6: what? I can't understand how he could not have made that list. You know what,
0: Scott? That That's another name that he had just, thinking about it, I just forgot about when I mentioned uh, for me, personally, I'm not saying the greatest of all time, but uh, Sam Huff was the first huge, like, mega defensive player, and Nitschke was one of those other... I mean, that look on Nitschke <laughs> with the Packers, I mean, he was another one, I mean, at the linebacker position. Wow. Yeah,
6: he he was the best I had seen at the position at the time, so... But uh, my question today, um, I want to talk about a positive for the Giants that a lot of people probably won't be talking about. Uh, I know the Giants rank 29th right now in team defense, but one of the statistics that's kind of interesting is they've only given up per rush attempts 3.9 yards. Mm-hmm. That's the sixth. That's the sixth best in the NFL. You are and correct. Better than New England, San Francisco, and Buffalo. Yes, we're all going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So. That part of the defense is doing very well. Uh, the the thing that is something that Carl Banks mentioned a couple of weeks ago is he said that the secondary is sort of disconnected. And wh- the question I really have is when the team goes in, and we've heard the comments from Saquon Barkley in regards to they practice like they're a ten and two team instead of a two and ten team. But what is the disconnect? Because as you guys have already alluded to, after twelve games, you're not a rookie any longer. And even though the Giants play a lot of rookies, they're not the youngest team in the NFL. I think they rank 18th so far as average age. So when you have defects in the secondary, it's usually a compilation of a lot of different problems. But when they practice, since you guys know what's transpiring in the practices, where is the disconnect? why aren't the players being able to adapt to whatever the coaches are telling them so far as the secondary is concerned well, and why are the mistakes so um, uh, revealing in regards to a repetition of the same issues well
0: well scott f- first off and, and I'll let you know paul answer but you know first off what we get to see in practice what, what is it, Scott? Uh, Paul? We get 15 we, 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 to 20 we get 15, minutes usually. Yeah, about 20 minutes. And, right. and, and, and of that 15, 20 minutes, we're not seeing a whole lot of the intricate stuff. We're seeing warm-ups, we're seeing yeah. special
1: teams, and we're seeing individual position drills.
0: Now, if you just right. if you just ask me, Scott, for my opinion, then I'll let you know. Paul answer. Um, you, you've got... You know, I mentioned it going into this past week's game. You got a bunch of young guys. Let's see, now it's Love, it, it's Baker, it's Ballantyne, it's Beal, and uh, couple that with all those young guys back there, couple that with they still need the guys – the, the the run stopping is okay it's been taken it, care no, of no it's actually very good yeah no so no but what, what i'm saying you, you need you need the, that's that's the next part of the building of that line is to get the edge rusher or ru- edge rushers in there boy. yeah but 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 sacks sent uh, you know rush i'm not just talking about sacks no no yeah. I, i'm not talking about sacks i'm talking okay. about pressure coming from that side. Right. I'm not talking Scott, about sacks.
1: I'm going to answer your question in two okay. ways. First of all, okay. there's no question about your comment. The Giants' rush defense, specifically because of their defensive line, more than any other position on the field, the defensive line has been stout against the run. And I think, that, that to be honest with you, Leonard Williams has really enhanced that in the last month. I okay. like this kid a lot. I think he's a good player. I hope the Giants re-sign him. He is very, very stout against the run. So let me just throw that to you as a comment uh, off of your first comment. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what you're asking about with the disconnect. I can't tell you why it's happening, but it's an an example. And and why it's so puzzling is because you're not going to get a player or a coach throw somebody under the bus and sell out. Because if you have that – then you've got a lot of cancer in your locker room, and the Giants don't want that this year. They've right. done a good job of cleaning that out. But here's an example, okay? Adams, Devontae Adams of the Packers, he caught a touchdown the other day. It was a uh, uh, an eight-yard touchdown pass. It was second and goal, okay? Right. Because I marked this down in my notes off the game. It was a second and goal from the Giants' eight, and Devontae Adams runs his route, and he sits down right in the middle of the field at the goal line. Right. Okay? I don't know if you remember the play. I do when remember it, yeah. Over. Okay? Yeah. Now... When he reached over the goal right. line to for the now, touchdown. Now, here's the problem. Coming off the line of scrimmage, all right, there was a player from the offense's right who ran a crossing route to the left, and Alec Ogletree stuck with that guy man-to-man. David Mayo, who was to the right of Ogletree, had an opportunity to defend Adams. But as Adams came into the center of the field and then sat down, Mayo passed him off as if he was playing zone. But because the receiver coming from the other side of the field ran the crossing route and Ogletree was playing man on him, what you then had was a receiver running to the right side of the Giants defense now being guarded by two linebackers and Devontae Adams sitting all alone between the hash marks at the goal line with nobody home. It says to me, one linebacker was playing man, the other linebacker was playing zone. That's a very bad mix. Now, so the question is, did somebody not get the call? Did somebody not understand the call? I don't know the answer to that, and the only way you're going to know is if you were in the huddle or if one of those players sells out the other guy and says, oh, he was supposed to play this, and he didn't do it. But again, that's the last thing you want if you're an organization is for guys to be pointing fingers at each other. But there is a typical play of how badly crossed up the Giants defense got. And oh, by the way, if there was going to be any help on the play, Antoine Bethea was playing too deep, and he had no opportunity to come up and cover Adams, and so touchdown Packers. Uh, It turns out to be a horrible play, but that's the kind of disconnect you're talking about.
0: As always, Scott, thanks for the call, buddy. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh oh. Here we Hallelujah. go, losing his mind. Mr. Illness He wasn't right in that enough jokes.
4: I am happy. You're not my Here
0: we This go. can mean only one thing. It is our buddy from Portland, Maine. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. You're hey. on with Russell. Happy hey, Russ. Thanksgiving, Happy hey, Thanksgiving, buddy. How was the lobsters for Thanksgiving?
7: Oh, they were excellent. Good little lobster linguine. Oh, was just
1: uh, perfect. Good. I just can't hey. believe you stooped to schmoke level playing that music. No, it's in honor of Charlie. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's in no, no, honor no, of Charlie. No. no.
7: Anyway, just don't do it when Lance is around. Yeah. He'll kill you,
1: Russ. Go ahead. <laughs>
7: Hey, um, just going back in the past, um, you guys have reminiscing. I remember Red Grange and Jim Thorpe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, you sound pretty spry for a guy who can remember them.
7: Yeah. God. Hey, and the thing is, Russ, you were saying like the secondary is young, but it isn't just them making the mistake. No, that I agree
0: with, Charlie. Couldn't
7: hey, you know? Hey, if hey, it was hey, just them, then you could say, okay, but it's got to be, there's some miscommunication, or either Betcher's scheme is too complicated because nobody knows what they're doing. One is doing zone, one's playing man, one's doing the reverse man, the reverse zone. They don't know. They're never on the same page, so they don't know what's going on. That it's got to be
1: coach It's got to be partly coaching. Well, Charlie, let's put it this way. Like the play that I just described, there are many possibilities why that gets messed up. Was it communicated improperly? Was it then called correctly in the huddle? Did the players all understand it? Did they all hear it correctly? Was it maybe, as you said, was the scheme too complicated? Were they supposed to see something at the line and then make an adjustment off of it? There are many reasons why that could have broken down. The problem is it can't break down if you're going to be a winning football team. (laughs) Yeah.
7: Yeah. Well, I guess we know that isn't happening this year. But, (laughs) hey, uh, we got four games left. I would love to see Eli Manning play those last four games. And, uh, you know, maybe Daniel Jones' ankle is worse than we think. But I'd love to see Eli at least get in. It it ain't going to happen,
0: Charlie. Unless, God forbid... And I say, God forbid, because I never want anybody to get hurt. Unless oh, God no, forbid, he already got hurt. But
7: I'm just saying, it, it, if he is, hurt if seriously, it's worse than we think. It ain't going to happen,
0: Charlie. I know you got Eli-itis. We love Eli. But it's, <laughs> it's not going to happen.
7: Hey, hey but you've you got to look at this. You know, what did the Bengals in Miami do? They, they played rookies. And they lost, and they lost, and they lost. You know what? They said enough. And they put their veterans back in. And guess what? They won. Bengals finally won a game, and Miami's won three mm-hmm. because of Fitzpatrick and because of Dalton. And we should be doing the exact same thing.
0: Well, wow, you, you
7: do I think. Put Eli uh, in and uh, win some games you, you know, that's
0: what this franchise needs. You, you know what? I, I think they ought to, like, bypass Eli Charlie and call up Phil Sims and see if he, he'll suit up and we'll get him <laughs> in the lineup. All right? No,
7: I don't want Phil. I want Eli. Yeah, I, I, know, I you
0: know you want Eli. All right, Charlie. As <laughs> okay, always, guys, thank you. Have, have be well, Charlie. Kid. God bless. <laughs> I mean I think Eli what would be the perfect Christmas present for Charlie?
1: There are times where Charlie just leaves me speechless. That's all I can the, say. The,
0: no, no, but but you gotta get him an either an Eli jersey or Eli pajamas or Eli an Eli picture, something. Interesting. A lot of talk today about the history. Um uh, of the National Football League with these 100 top uh Yeah, players. well,
1: Ch- Charlie Harding tweets us, uh, not talking Giants, but just saying with Nitschke, Nobis, Tommy Nobis, don't forget oh, him. Hey. Singletary, another guy. Uh, er- Erlacher, sorry, he doesn't qualify on this list as far as I'm concerned. And Chuck Howley saying, uh, you know, those guys all outstanding, hard to choose between them. I don't put Erlacher in that class. So he was a glorified, free, uh, strong safety to me. And uh, I, I think he was very much overrated. But having said that, certainly all the other guys were quality, uh, very high quality, elite uh, inside Who was on that
0: list again of, of the line, of, of Oh, the I got to go. Okay, Are you going to no, make me worry, look it no. up? No, I, no, 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 no. no. Uh,
1: we did have one other tweet I did want to mention here, and I thought this was very interesting. Uh, where is it here? He goes... Um, Mm, oh, I want to get back to this guy. Well, Let me see one, one second. We got a few
0: l- lines open while Paul is, is looking, folks. 201-939-4513. Got six minutes left in the show. So if you want to give us a quick call, please feel free to do so. Also want to remind everybody, if you subscribe to the Giants Audio Podcast, you got to make note that Big Blue Kickoff Live now has its own dedicated podcast. So you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform again big blue kickoff live is no longer available in the Giants audio podcast so please subscribe to the big blue kickoff live podcast you can still watch or listen to the show on Giants.com which is us uh just where big blue kickoff live is of course on uh, the Giants app
1: all right I found the two tweets I wanted to read to you Russ uh barbecue East well barbecue Beast I'm sorry is his name and he says, "All I can say is I will be at the Eagles game on December 29th, and I'm going to give Eli Manning a standing ovation that he deserves. I hope the Giants do something at halftime. It's a must. Another Eagle, Eli Manning fan. And I look and and to be perfectly honest, um, I understand that because you know if you're if you're an Eli guy, uh, it's it's going to be sad to see him." leave you don't even have to be an eli guy i mean when i say
0: an eli guy just a football guy yeah i mean not even just a giants guy if if you are a football fan um and i really mean this if you are a football fan i'll even take one step further if you are a sports fan you enjoy sports there is no better example of how a guy should conduct conduct himself how he should act mm-hmm. and how he should perform better than Eli. He has been the entire package from the day he arrived to the day he's gonna leave. The entire package, you know, throw in two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, it's it's been quite a stellar career, but he really has been the perfect gentleman uh, in every way, shape or form. There is nothing negative There's nothing negative to say about Eli Manning, but as I was saying to Charlie, um, it ain't going to happen unless, God forbid, Daniel gets hurt to the point where he can't play. And I say, God forbid, because I I never want to... Listen, we've had enough damn injuries from a Giants
1: perspective to fill up five seasons this year. Russ, I will say one thing, and that is you and I have both been around a long time and been around a lot of teams, a lot of locker rooms, a lot of superstars. I will say this. If this is the last time that Eli Manning suits up in a, in a football jersey, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, the week of that I'm finale sure. against the Eagles, but I'm going to get this out there right now, and I'm not afraid to say it, okay? If, in fact, it is the last time Eli Manning suits up, I'm glad for him that it is a home game. Because I would like to see him get a standing ovation from that crowd as he walks off that field. Oh, I I couldn't. So many times, I remember Phil Simms and Lawrence Taylor. They they finished their careers in a playoff loss in San Francisco, and walked off the field for what turned out to be the last time. I really love, like when Derek Jeter. You remember his last game? He got that base hit to win the game, and the whole stadium erupted. That's the way that legends should be allowed to cap their careers, but it doesn't always happen that way. You know, that's, that's you know? for the
0: storybook. It and, really is. And the schmaltz and everything else.
1: But I, I do at least like them to be able to absorb the home crowd's well,
0: appreciation. M- much like Lawrence Taylor, much like Phil Sims.
1: It doesn't work out that I, way. I, but, I know.
0: But Eli's going to have his moment. When it's all said. Oh, um, there's no question. The, the number and everything else. One more
1: guy, Mark in Chicago, one of our all-time favorites who also has been watching the Giants a long time. He oh. wants to chime in. Yeah, Mark calls us a lot. He what, does. What he saying? says, first Giants in-person game, October 24th, 65, at the stadium. Jim Brown, 24 attempts for 177 yards. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. what? Who'd he
0: say? I Oh, no, you know what? Because because it was Mark from Chicago, I had the Bears on my mind. So right away, I was going to say Oh, no, Dale no. Siris. He's okay. in Chicago now. Yeah, good, but right.
1: for a Giants-Browns game, he also was one-for-one one passing for 39 yards, had three catches for 18 and a touchdown. Mark, I don't know if your memory's that good or you looked it up. I'm not sure. But having said that, the point is, and he says he was a man playing against boys. Well, that was 1965. And if you know anything about Giants history, 1965 was in the middle of the dark ages. When their guys had gotten too old, they had they had either become just so broken down or they had started to, to to whittle away off the roster, had been traded away, et cetera, et cetera. And that was a very, very bad time in Giants history. They were not of the ilk to stop Jim Brown as they had in the previous years before when Sam Huff, as Jim used to say, would attach himself to Brown's legs.
0: Right. Well, uh, listen... Uh those were some glory years back in the day I mean you know it, it's it's good that we have some of the people like Len like Bob you know people who oh I love talking' were, were about back in the day those... to be able to talk about it it was, it was you, a lot of fun you
1: said you heard the crowds at Yankee Stadium. oh listen to me did you ever get into a game at the old stadium yeah but but
0: but I'm talking about when I was a kid you, you know to go um uh, I, I like I Maybe I was—I don't know—six, seven years old. I'm going to visit my aunt. I'm hearing the roar of the crowd, and I look at my father and say, "What's that?" You know, that was—but that was back in the day, folks, where people used to keep little flask, sure, in the inside to, to keep them warm. They had the big fur coats on, the hats, the bula, bula all that stuff. Different time. Uh, t- times have changed, but those—those those were fun times. Look at that. Yeah.
1: OK. There you go. Now, folks, I'm going to leave you with this. Back on December 1st, just the other day, I retweeted a tweet from the old time ball baseball photos uh, Twitter account. This gentleman, uh, his name is Don Stokes. He is a colorist. What he does is he takes old time baseball photos from yesteryear that are in black and white and he computerized retouches them. In color to bring them to life, to give them a new kind of pizzazz so that it looks like something you would see today. He went and took a photo, the Neil Leifer photo, of the Giants' sideline at Yankee Stadium with the facade in the background from the 1958 December 14th game against the Browns. Okay, we all know that's the game when Pat Summerall kicked the field goal in the snow. Right. This iconic photo has been seen in black and white literally billions of times over the years but this gentleman don stokes colorized it brought it to life it gave me chills when i saw it i retweeted it on december 1st len charlie uh, coach marvin mark in chicago all of our old-time fans i invite you to go to my timeline and look at that photo if you don't get chills something's wrong with you because it's awesome I absolutely love it. You think Paul's a little excited, folks? Hey, j- j- I need something to get pumped about. J- just a little bit.
0: Anyway, I want to thank everybody uh, for being part of our Big Blue Kickoff Live here, brought to you by Chorus Light. First and foremost, let's thank the man who is taking care of us today at the controls, Brian Conforth, to my buddy here, Paul Dettino, I'm Russ Salzberg. And most of all, as Paul said to you, the fans out there, because without you people, we'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, which for me is tomorrow, we'll see you then.